Before I get started, I would like to issue this disclaimer. I am not a mental health professional. I am an individual who is passionate about mental health and topics related to mental health. Research has been done on these topics and I am sharing my own personal experience. All conversation and information exchange are intended for informational and entertainment purposes only. Any information shared should not be used as medical advice or to self-diagnose. If you believe you are experiencing an emergency, please talk to your primary physician or call 911. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Mind If We Chat. I'm your host, Sarah. And as again, we are in May and we are celebrating Mental Health Awareness Month. I would say celebrating because we're definitely bringing conversations about mental health that need to be focused on and discussed. And to me, that is celebrating. So um, today, my special guest, as I told you guys, I'm going to have some special guests this month and they're going to be more men. So I'm really excited about that. And so today's guest is AJ Garcia. Hello, AJ. How are you? How's it going, everybody? I'm good. How are you doing? Good, good. It's a little nippy for me in Chicago, but you know, (laughs) we're making it happen. Yeah. Hopefully things turn around here because I want to go outside. (laughs) Oh, we all do. I I think it's time. It's, It's been, it's been a good year so far and you know it's time for people to kind of start getting the pace back and kind of living a normal life despite everything we've gone through in the past maybe year and a half yeah yeah we definitely need some warmer weather especially because that does help a lot of people who Ab- have seasonal depression <laughs> absolutely i'm yeah, I, I agree with that 150 <laughs> percent. all right aj so for listeners who don't know about you tell us about yourself well, my name is AJ Garcia. For the people that don't know, I am the owner of South Def Catering and South Def Clothing. Uh, it's uh, more of a Latino-based uh, clothing brand, and I specialize in Latino cuisine. I'm from the southeast side of Chicago, born and raised. Um, you know, one of the greatest places to ever be from in the world. And, you know, just to be able to be around you guys, mind if we chat, and uh, alongside a lot of other people, it's it's amazing, the the groups and the awareness that such a small neighborhood has been bringing. So, you know, I'm so happy to be a part of this episode. Yeah, well, thank you, AJ. I'm so glad to have you on because I feel like we need people who are from the east side and to show like, hey, this little part, this little small part here has big voices. And, Absolutely, yeah. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on in people's lives that others may not really know about and just think like, because I run a business or because I'm successful that everything's fine and dandy when in reality, you know, running a business can be really stressful. You know, it's, no, it's, it's probably one of the hardest things aside from being a father that I think I've ever had to, to over like just be a part of, or just even, you know, I'm trying to find the right word to just be able to do on a daily basis. Yeah. Yeah. So I was interested to talk to you, AJ, because I know a little bit on social media, you've kind of expressed like some things about like regarding mental health. So talk to us a little bit about that. I know you're really big on mental health too. Yes. Um, you know, I've suffered from mental health possibly my, my whole life. Um, you know, as beautiful as the Southeast side is, you know, it's, it has its, its ups and its downs and it's, you know, I was raised a little rough, not blaming my upbringing. The reason it was just feel like 
in the type of schooling that I went into and everything, it was like mental health wasn't really talked about. It was like mm-hmm. men or, or just a certain area. It's just like, you have to have this machismo, like, no, nah, I'll get through it. And showing signs of weakness was never really anything. And anytime anyone was, it seemed like it was so looked upon. Like you were so weak for, for being able to feel the way you do that. You also like had to hold everything in until it became this crust. It became this layer of, just like not being so used to not speaking, you know, to letting the problems overcome and just never really dealing with it. And I feel like all my life, you know, I was always a very uh, open-minded person. I'm like, why can't I speak about this? And, you know, all my family and friends at the time were just not really understanding like, no, this and that. And then uh, I reached a certain age, maybe about seventh grade when I started acting out, um, kind of going through the self-harm process and immediately it was like oh he's not okay like he's crazy type of scenario and I was lucky enough at the school I was at I went to Galisto um one of the greatest ladies I've ever met in my life rest in peace like she was Miss Padilla the she was the mental health therapist and she showed me everything um in seventh grade I was hospitalized my first time for self-harming and what I believed was suicidal thoughts just being in this dark place for for a child so young and you know she encouraged me that like maybe it doesn't make you different it doesn't make you weird ever since then I would go to therapy you know I, I went through these phases and she really taught me what it was like to be around other people and to know that some of the students that you were sitting next to in your classrooms we're also going through the same scenario and that it's okay. As they say, it's okay to not be okay. And, you know, I adapted to that. And ever since then, like, I always wanted to play a role in, in saving or, or, or spreading awareness or, or spreading, spreading something, you know, just, just trying to be the better person. My mother always raised me that, that there's so much beauty in this world. So I, I still live with that every day. And I still want to carry that message that, that, you know, we can help each other. We can be there for each other. I feel like love plays a big part in mental health. Like you could be having a horrible day and I've seen it where something that's a small act of kindness can go miles and it could just bring light to your day. And that's something I think people really need to be aware of. Right. And it's one of those things, always be kind, right? Because you never know what somebody is going through. You never know what somebody's dealing with. And absolutely you know, giving people grace, not only giving yourself grace, but giving others grace. Like we all, we're all going through something, especially absolutely. like we all went through a pandemic together. So we know, you know, we're all going through stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So something you said I want to go back to was kind of like that stigma, right? Like, oh, he must be crazy. He must be crazy. It really is one of those things where it's just like, I really wish we could just eliminate that word, like just eliminate it completely because it's not that somebody's crazy, like that word. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just incredible what certain stigmas want you to think of what mental health is. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's sad. It, It really is sad to know that someone could really be going through it. And, you know, they all, they almost feel forced to have to hold it in just to not be looked at weak or not be looked at crazy, not knowing that 
that person's possibly screaming out for help on the inside, but you would never know. And, you know, um, and the, I am going to talk about some things probably now from, from this point on that may trigger some people was, you know, we, you did bring up like suicidal thoughts and things. So I just <laughs> want to put that out there, you know, to anybody listening, we may talk about some things that are triggering. So just be advised of that. Um, so some things that, some things that, um, I think of when you think of like males and mental health, five major mental health problems that affect males are depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder, psychosis and schizophrenia and eating disorders. And yeah. And a lot of people think like, Oh, only women can have eating disorders. No eating disorders can affect everybody. You know, um, last week's guest, Aaron came on and talked about eating disorders and the type of eating disorders there are. And men account for an estimated 10% of patients with anorexia or bulimia and an estimated 35% of those men have binge eating disorder. You know, I didn't know that. Did you? No, I, I was very well aware of that. Um, some of the things you brought up are, are, are just some things I deal with on, on a constant basis from the depression to the anxiety to certain points in my life where I fluctuate weight because friends are like, Oh, what's going on? And, you know, it's just one of those, like it, it's brought awareness to certain friends. Like, Hey man, like when they see that I'm dropping a little bit of weight, like, Hey, are you good? And there are just times where I'm just so overwhelmed. The idea of eating just, it's not because I'm forcing myself. It's just because I don't see a point in eating. I'm just so overwhelmed with certain things that are going on in my mind that like, I just almost, it's almost like I forget to eat or I forget to, to take that nourishment and, and take that time to myself because I feel like, especially the point I'm at in my life right now, like I have no time to stop. And that's the worst, one of the worst feelings I think I, I deal with on a daily basis is that I tend to put every single thing in my life before me, but myself. Mm. Mm. So do you think that you do a lot of these things to keep busy so you won't be depressed and you won't be anxious and have, you know, these things going on? Or is it, you know, it's something in you that it's like, no, these are the things that I want to do, you know? Um, absolutely. Uh, with South Ave, the idea of being able to put a neighborhood on that I came from on what it would be so-called like a map or to put it on and, and bring awareness to it is, is a fight that I, I truly believed in the moment I started South Ave. Mm -hmm. Picking the name and picking what I wanted to represent, the first thing that came to mind was how do I represent my home? How do I represent where I'm from? Especially the stigma of the East Side in its own. I wanted right. to be able to, to showcase that because I didn't see anyone really doing that. There are a lot of people that are interacting and are amazing people, but I was like, man, we, we really got to do something here. So creating South Ave was my way of just wanting to be good, wanting to bring awareness to my neighborhood and to hopefully one day be like, man, he did it. He did it. And if he can do it, we can all do it. And it takes one person to lead everyone in a direction to like almost be the one to plant a seed and, and bring all this out to this beautiful flower. And, uh, you know, so South F definitely keeps my mental health for the most part on check. I've been blessed to do a lot in the last two years with South F that if you would have told me that I was going to do, I would have told you you were lying. So I've been blessed with that. But also 
it, it gets extremely overwhelming. The idea, I think, of success can really put a mental toll on you because mm-hmm. it's almost like you want something so bad and there's so much that we want to get, we want. And there are so many ways to get what we want. There are bad ways to get what we want. Mm-hmm. But there are people that are out there sacrificing mind, body, and soul to create the best possible thing for themselves and to create something. And, you know, I just think that's something that is really, we need to step back. I've, I've taken a, a break or two with South Ave, it being okay. completely overwhelming, but I do know that seeing what I've done has been one of the biggest prides in my life, or just one of the biggest accomplishments to let me know that, like, I can do this. I can do this. No matter how hard he gets, like, I can do this. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really, I thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing No problem that. at all. You know, it is overwhelming. Like as much as I love doing mind if we chat, I do, this is fun for me, but there Absolutely. are times where it's like, I got to come out with promo. Like I got to, And it's like, no, I don't have to do, I want to do it, but I work <laughs> full time too. I have a yeah. kid, I have a son, you know, yeah, yeah, I'm absolutely. trying to stay with my fitness. I go to therapy. Yeah. Like there's yeah. all these things that it's like, sometimes it can be a little bit like, okay, I just need to take a break. Now I know it's my time. Like I need to yeah. just take a break. And there's nothing in normalizing that there's nothing wrong with that. Right. There's absolutely just, we, we you, you will fail. And I, I don't say it's failing as in like, it'll all be over. Like you will implode if, if you don't do that. You need to realize in us as adults, especially with children, you know, we, we create the stigma that we are living superheroes in their eyes and, and we really are. Their look on their faces when they see us happy is, is something we, when we're at our darkest times, we go back. And even me as a father, I look at my daughters and their laughter or like when they're sleeping and I see them in peace and I'm like, you know, you're doing this for them. You're doing this for them to, to show them that, you know, my dad did this, my dad did that. And, yeah. you know, it, it, it makes it all worth it when you see people in your neighborhood coming together and to know that you have, possibly a big part in bringing that that's also an amazing feeling to me to know that I'm able to bring people from all over areas together to even if it's networking yeah conversating whatever it may be just to know that I was I was able to put my mental health aside in order to try to create something beautiful as, as those moments yeah yeah that's great AJ I want to kind of talk to you too about, um, like for you, what is depression like for you? Man, that's, uh, I mean, that's the question. Because I mean, like everybody doesn't always necessarily experience the same thing. Like I have mild depression, so I can still function, but I don't really, it's like, really hard. Like I really have to motivate myself. My husband has depression Mm -hmm. and he just it's like how can I describe it's like I see him and it's just you can see it you could see it in his face because I know him right so I could see like it's just a lack of motivation very tired and I hear it a lot I'm tired I'm tired I'm tired so you know I just wonder for you what do what do you feel um depression for me is the only way I can describe it is like being a a prisoner in your mind to know that I spend more time in my head than in, in my own reality, to know that I enclose myself sometimes and then I lock myself into this mental prison 
that when I should be sleeping, it's like this anxiety is constantly in the back of my head telling me that I can't do it. Telling me that you bit off more than you can chew, that everything you're talking about is a pipe dream. It's, there's no way it's going to happen to know that you're not going to be this amazing father. I don't know where you got that idea that you're going to be this South Ave. Like that's, that's nothing. It's never going to happen. It's, it's never going to, to do any of this. And I sit there and I can't sleep and I, and I toss and then I, I turn but I, I, it, it, and I, I don't eat and I go to work and sometimes I question, do I really want to be here? Like, do I really, you know, is, is it worth all this? Is, is it worth every single thing that I'm doing? And it lasts for little periods of time. And then I stop. No, man, come on, come on. You got to go, man. Like, stop. You, you got to find that breaking point in your life where if no one's going to be there for you, you have to, there's, there's always going to be a reason for whatever it is that you, you got to overcome. I have friends, I have friends that are, you know, I, I happen to grow up in a, in an area that of the East side, that's not the best at times where safety is an issue, where the wrong colors might mean your last day, mm-hmm. despite how beautiful it is. But I've, have people that are no longer here with me, that I play their faces in my head all the time, even though they were hardheaded. They may have chose the wrong choices in life, but I can hear their voices telling me, AJ, man, shut up, bro. Just keep going, bro. Like, what are you doing? I see the look on people's faces when, when they tell me, you know, one second. So sorry about that. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. One second. Sorry. And, you know, not having these people here with me and, and still dealing with it on a daily basis is, is hard. But no matter the circumstances, no matter how, how low this pit may be in my heart, like, I can't give up. I, I, I can't. There's no way I can. There's no way I've gone this far without wanting to be successful. I've, I've dedicated too much time and I, I'm not going to lie. I've paid my dues. And this is only the beginning. No one ever said these fights, like the fight with mental health alone is never going to be easy. Um, I I've heard some things, you know, from I'll I'll watch personal interviews. I'm one that watches a lot of self-help videos or something like that. Just at the time, even if it's like I'm on cooking or, or when, or when the idea of doing all this is I, I I can't get, get through it. Okay. You know what, AJ? Hold on one second. So sorry. Okay. I mean, so, you know, as I continue to do South Ave, I just, I just know what what it's worth. Um, Mm -hmm. Going back to what I was saying, like, I've watched a lot of like self-help videos. I've watched a lot of things where, you know, I try to find inspiration in in anything. Um, And one of the greatest things I ever heard was, was how blind mental health is like if someone is injured if a man is disabled you can see the disability if someone is physically ill you can see it and you see that man that person is not doing okay but with mental health it's like I can't even remember how many times I've been around the most exciting moments of my life and not felt anything Mm. um 
I've one of my biggest downfalls, and you know, I'm so happy that I overcame it was last year. I had released South Def Clothing, and the entire year was perfect. I blueprinted a whole year before it even happened. And I did everything I said I was going to do and more. Everything. I did everything I said I was going to do. Mm-hmm. October came. The season was over. The clothing line was over for the year. Like, we did it. The catering company, you know, as the winter comes, you know, so South Ave Catering stops for the season. I went out one night to celebrate. You know, like, yeah, you did it, man. You did it. I didn't feel anything. Now I'm like, no, it's it's probably was the wrong night. I go out again. I'm going to go celebrate. I don't feel like I won anything. I don't feel like I did anything important that I, and it it put me into a really low depression. Um, I was turning 30. I felt like I wasn't where I needed to be in my business. And I felt ashamed of myself that I couldn't reached the certain goals that I had. You know, this idea of this food truck, you know, as much as I can save, like, we're talking like a couple figures to, to run a food truck. And just because I felt that I didn't get to those points, I felt like, what are you celebrating? You didn't do nothing right. And it's just this whole thing that, that mental health created in me. It destroyed me. I was looking at my children and I couldn't find happiness in, in their smiles. I was going to work and I hated it to the point where I didn't even want to be here anymore. I basically pushed people away from me because I went into this isolation and it took me so much to get out of it. And now I look back at everything and, and I, I don't, I didn't even know who that person was. And I, I see where I'm at now. And it's so easy to slip in, into it. It's so easy to slip back into this sense of, like this depression, you know, and talking about it is one of those things that people don't always do. The thing with, I realize with a lot of people that I've seen, they'll go to therapy for a little bit, maybe take their medication and feel good. And then they completely stop. Like, I'm good. I'm yeah. good. It's fine. You know, I'm fine. Yep. Not knowing that you, man, like we're, we're not supermen and women, you know, we still need to care about ourselves. And as the 2022 season came on, I've limited myself to events and to what I want to do to know that like, Hey man, you are more important. You are South Ave. And without you, there is no South Ave without you. Your kids are not going to be happy because they're not going to see their father happy. And I have a two-year-old and a six-year-old. It is amazing. The amount of awareness these kids have when I'm upset. It is mind blowing that there have been days where I'm crying and my little two year old will literally wipe the tears from my face because she knows that her dad is not okay. So I see that now. And, you know, it took me a while to see that. But now being the best parent possible is what has guided me through my mental health to know that there are days when I can turn my phone off and just spend days with them and not care about who's messaging me. And those were the little simple things that I needed to do in order to get my mental health back on track. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's important. What you said, like you have to find what works for you. And a lot of the times like with depression or like with bipolar, those kind of like chemical imbalances in the brain, when people start medication, there's an idea of, okay, I feel better now. Like I'm fine. I don't need to take this anymore, but it's, it's a chemical imbalance. So the minute you stop taking those medications, it's going to happen again, you know, because it's not like a personality disorder, right? Like personality disorders, you go to therapy and you try to change the patterns and behaviors, but with mood disorders, like bipolar and depression, those, you know, more than likely will require some type of medication um, yes. because your brain is just not producing those chemicals that it needs. And Absolutely. that's what I think a lot of people, um, you know, a lot of people don't see it that way. So I feel good now and I can stop taking it. My, um, my sister has bipolar disorder mm-hmm. and she, she said flat out, I'm not taking these medications. Like I don't want to, because I don't feel anything. I feel flat. And someone said, a therapist had told me that I worked closely with in the past said, well, it's because your sister doesn't feel that mania anymore. So mm-hmm. it's like, she just feels nothing. And with people with bipolar, you know, they sometimes that mania kind of mm-hmm. feels good. It's like a euphoric state that yeah. they get into. Absolutely. So, so it's just, to me, it's one of those things like the more we say like, and I'm all about like, if you don't want to take medicine, I get it because I have anxiety and I don't want to take medicine. <laughs> like I just don't, but there is time, like those mood disorders really, I mean, if, if there's to the point where you're contemplating suicide and, you know, you have that suicidal ideation, it's important to treat with medication. Absolutely. Um, me being all my life as a kid, I was on medication. I remember being in eighth grade and I was prescribed Zoloft and um, the only thing I could ever describe it was that it was literally like a switch that turned your emotions off. Like it was like you, you were there, but I could not feel an emotion. And I was like in eighth grade, you know, like, like what's going on. Like, I just felt like I could hear tragic news. And it would be like, damn, that sucks. Or something really really happy oh that's cool and to that's when I decided not to and that's when I started um so one of the biggest things to me that is like my medicine my cure my hope my everything is I find peace in music um I've been playing music since I was in seventh grade and that is the first thing I picked up you know getting out of the hospital at the time and I've been playing music all the time especially now there are two bands in particular that there isn't a day that I don't go and listen to them bands that I can single-handedly said like that they've saved my life and I've funny thing is I've been able to see both of them in April it was it was really good um and my homies you know my homies are big supporters of my mental health the ones that I, I do keep close mm-hmm. they don't care I'm the guy at the concert that when I seen them like they already knew man like tears were coming out and I, I didn't I didn't I didn't care who was around me and something as simple as like I was able to meet both of them mm-hmm. and I remember just the conversation I've had with these two vocalists from two totally different bands and I was just like man I know you may not know who I am you probably get this all the time 
but I just want to tell you, thank you. I want to say thank you for, for saving me. Thank you for, you know, just bringing awareness to these people that, you know, me, I'm very big on lyrics. Like I read as much as possible metaphors, things that I can connect with are very true to my heart. And when I would listen to these songs and, and their messages and these, these songs, like my goodness, like, how do you know, like my life story? Like, how do you know these things? <laughs> and, you know, so when I go and I, I met these two different individuals, like it was just the idea to let them know because I've been told that from other people, like, hey, AJ, you're an inspiration, man. Just keep pushing, keep like, you know, and I look back at these messages sometimes when I'm upset and people are like, man, look at you're coming so far. AJ, keep going, man. Keep going. Friends that used to make fun of me in grammar school used to bully me are sending me messages telling me how much I, I inspire them with South Ev. So to me, I, I like, if medication's not it, I've been on there. I just feel like finding something that truly you love to do is always the best best remedy for me for mental health. And I'm lucky to have a lot of things now. Um, I have cooking, you know, I've been cooking and some days when I don't have my daughters, I'll spend hours in the kitchen. I will go to a grocery store that I know is stocked with really fresh ingredients and I will go and I just create for three hours. Three, I've done like five, six courses in my house for me to eat, just to to test my my ability and be creative, put the right music on, set the right tone, take the time for yourself to find your inner peace and in whatever you do. I know so many people that do so many different things. One of my friends is is a, a five star chef. On the weekends, he does not party; he sews. That is his piece. He sews like little hats and stuff like that. And this man is full. You would have never thought I'm talking about this man is fully tattooed. Like he looks kind of creepy at the bar, (laughs) but this man is a five-star chef and he sews and makes little sells little sweaters for cats and dogs and babies. And he, that is his piece. And I'm like, I would have never thought, man, it's it's just crazy what, what you can do with that. Right. That is so cool. And I think just having an outlet for yourself, like that's why I always do my self-care Sunday posts or I try to at least to show other people like, and that's stuff I really do. I don't say, Oh, I have to do it because I have to make a post. No, that's real stuff that I do. You know, yeah, I play the piano or like I do a face mask or I do diamond painting because Mm -hmm. all those things I genuinely enjoy. And if I could share that with other people, people and it sparks an idea and then hey like let me try that let me try well, that's that saying. yeah you'd be surprised that you can do for just some moments to yourself even if it's go get a coffee and play your a couple of your favorite songs you know what's turn your phone off or put everything on notifications on off you know what i'm going to the to get a starbucks i'm going to the park mm-hmm. just sit there that is you don't need you know all these things you'd be surprised what you can do when you just find the inner peace in the things that you love to do or just take the moments to be alone and, and find things just to clear your head. Let a couple of tears out, man. People tell me, I talk about this all the time. I have no shame in it. I am the biggest sad boy of all time. Like I am, that is me. I cry for a lot of things. I can see movies with my kids and I'm there like, <clears throat> like choking up over <laughs> Disney movies, man. Like anything. I'm just always been an emotional kid. Like mm-hmm. ever since I was little, just from like growing up trauma, like, I've always been an emotional kid and I always will be. I'm 30 years old, still an emotional man. Yeah. And I think it's important for men to like normalize and like 
you it's okay for you to show your emotions and i think women have to be okay with letting a man show their emotions like yes. you know i i've been following the amber heard and johnny depp case and oh yeah it's i was disgusted disgusted in the way she treated him and the way she spoke to him and it's just like when you see him up there it's like wow like like she messed this man up and to be honest there are countless cases i've seen of that and these are people I see on a normal basis that are going through that. You know, I, I feel super cool that Johnny Depp, like I was even talking about it earlier today, that of all the people celebrity wise, that if, that brings this, if it takes him to bring awareness to men's mental health, I'd rather have him than anyone else. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, man, it's the two biggest inspiration. I think like with celebrity wise, was so far his story, and um, I followed a lot of Jim Carrey's story. So me and my family were movie buffs, fans. Since I could remember me being like three or four years old, we can. My mom jokes at us all the time, like you guys know all these movie quotes. <laughs> we say movie quotes to each other, like sentences and jokes. And you know, as a kid, Jim Carrey was always. I was like the one kid that was lucky that my mom would let me watch like Happy Gilmore and Billy Madison. Like you know, you shouldn't be watching this. And, we're just laughing and laughing like liar, liar. Me and myself and Irene, just all these hilarious movies with like a bunch of profanity and a bunch of just naughty nature talks and just <laughs> naughty jokes. And, but I loved it. Yeah. And even as his career built on, you would have never thought that when, I remember when he first came out, how about how deep, deep his mental health was. Like you're talking about one of the funniest men in the world. God, like, was so close to being gone that he found love in painting and it's changed his whole life. It's changed his whole life. Another person that, you know, when, when he passed, there was another one that it hit was Robin Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, you're talking about an, an iconic person, a person that was able to, you would have never thought these are people that we need to see even not just men that there are so many people that you would have never thought. Another one of my favorite artists, Mac Miller. Man, Mac Miller was an icon. It was sad. One of my biggest modern day inspirations was an artist from Chicago. It was called Juice World. I loved his music. I still to this day follow a lot of his music. And this young man was younger than me. To know that a person that was a lot younger than me was going through so much. To know that he can teach me about myself and I'm older than him, that this young rapper from Chicago basically showcased his mental health to the point where it overtook him, started drug abuse, and he's no longer here. And still, like, it's it's crazy. It's crazy just mm-hmm. what mental health can do and not always sharing it or oversharing it. You know, Juice World being one of those things where that's all he talked about. And I can only imagine what that would do to a mindset of an individual that your whole career is based off of how sad you are. And to know that every single night that you have to play these songs and you're reliving this trauma on a daily basis. And yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. Men's mental health. I I pray to one day that it's brought to awareness to know that it's okay for men to be sad. It, it, It really is. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I really believe that, you know, a lot of, a lot of people, not just men, but a lot of people turn to drugs and substance abuse because they just want something to take that pain away. And like for men, especially, they're not going to go they're straight away to therapy, you know, as much as I'm, I'm not saying men won't go to therapy, but it, you know, if they do in reading some of the research that I pulled for this episode for mental health of America, they reported that the men who do go to therapy sometimes hide things, you know, they're not as open with their clinician as, you know, they should be. So that hiding things, they're more likely to use substances, Absolutely. you know, to ease that pain, drugs, alcohol, and it's just like Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp mm-hmm. talked about his drug use and things. So when you combine when you combine a mental illness with drug use, it's like co-occurring now, you know, occur, co-occurring disorders and mental illness. And it just it makes me sad that men feel like they can't have the space to to take. And it's not it's fair. It's it not really fucking fair. Like it's I, not it upsets me because it's like when you think about as you were talking about artists and stuff chester bennington he went on and he was open and he i'll never forget this interview he did he said this brain this you know this brain i hold in the skull these two that's a bad neighborhood i just like i cried when he said that i remember that interview Yeah. yeah i i cried because it was just like how painful I can't imagine how painful that is to feel like you have to keep it in. And he was very expressive in his music, right? Yes, like absolutely. But he still like that it didn't take it away. He still felt like that. You know, and it just to me it just makes me really sad that you know men don't want to talk about it. And if they do, and if they do, it's like that that stigma, right? Don't talk about it. Like, oh, you're such a crybaby. Like when I heard Amber Heard tell him that, be a man, be a man. Like he is being a man and he's showing his emotions because he's allowed to do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think when that narrative is written and those spaces are created where, you know, women around men or even men around other men won't allow a man to show emotion or have feeling then it becomes trapped in the body and then the body keeps score and we know what oh, happens yeah. with trauma in the body, you know, like, yeah, it, it, to me, it's like, we need to open these conversations. Like we need to have these hard conversations and we need, we do. Right. And that's why I was really glad to have you on here because I'm Absolutely. like, you're, you're open about it and you're willing yeah, to I, talk about it. Uh, when it comes to mental health, I mean, I've just seen the real in, a harsh life and uh a lot of times when i wish life would sugarcoat things for me it was the last thing that it would ever do so when it came to me opening up about my mental health i mean sometimes you just have to be real i i, I like i've had to sugarcoat a lot of things for a lot of people my entire life and they reached a point where i wasn't even sugarcoating anything for myself if i would go around a group of people i would not say things that i wanted to say because of just trying to be the better person, but I was being completely raw and unsugarcoated to myself. So now I'm at a point where, you know, it's okay to see dark. I've had days you'll never believe, you know, growing up, I was a victim of, you know, drug abuse. I was very big in high school with prescription pills. 
Uh, my mother worked a lot of hours, had two jobs. My father worked a lot of hours. I barely seen them and all of my other siblings were already out the house. I almost raised myself at a point and it wasn't my parents abandoned me. It's just parents are being parents. They're trying to support and work. And, you know, I was going through a lot of things at the time and a lot of the group I was hanging around with at the time were just showing me substance abuse. They were showing me drinking. They were showing me smoking. They were showing me prescription pills. And at the time, it seemed like it was the only way to numb everything. It was the only way to kind of escape reality, you know, and I feel it is with the youth. That's, in my opinion, not just with young women, but these young men, like life in Chicago, you know, we, we have this stigma of like the crime city that, you know, that it's one of the worst cities to be in. Imagine what these young men are going to on these streets, like guns are being distributed constantly. Drug is so much easier to get a hold of now than it's ever been in its entire life. And these young men are running to these things because they are begging for a way out. They are begging to be better. And, and, and they, they find these bad influences. And with these drugs and this, this crime, they, they, they find just that escape from it. I had a friend who was a gangbanger. And told me that he was a gangbanger because he wanted to die. That that was his peace. To know that his life, that there was no, there was no getting better. That this was all his life. That this was what it is. And it wasn't going to get better. So he should just live it up right now. And live it to the best of his ability until the day he gets killed. That was his answer. And it blew my mind. It blew my mind to, to hear um, something like, like for real man like that's the best it gets you'd be surprised what you can do when you put a little effort into something like life is hard but man it's, it's not always the answer it's not always the answer and i can only imagine that's one person there are so many young men in these streets and lower income that their family doesn't care that it's an, and it's unfortunate that they feel like this is the only life for them that there is no help that there is no escaping this. This is life's plan for me, and it doesn't get better than this. We need to be out here showing these young men that it's okay to cry, that it's okay to let everything out, that it's okay to feel what you do, that you can be a grown man and still feel that same way. A lot of us men, you know, especially, I'm not just, I'm speaking from the way I've always seen, like mental health in Latin homes. There is no such thing as that. Right. I've seen it way too many times that I can count and it, it, it always frustrates me. I've seen stuff where friends would be like, mom, I'm not, I'm, I don't feel good. Oh, no nada. you're just lazy. You don't want to do nothing. Like, mom, I don't feel good. I've, and it, and it goes back down to the present family and the pre lot older Latinos. There's no such thing as mental health. Mm -hmm. There's no such thing in that. And we raise our kids to be like that. That no, 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 estás bien, estás bien, estás bien. Like no, it's it's it's, it's kind of not. And if you know, how, how how do we teach young men about mental health? Like that's a whole fight in, in its own. And it's a fight that you know something I've always wanted to take approach on. You know, one of my biggest goals with South Ave is if I the Lord ever blesses me with this platform that I want to put, I always said that I wanted to put a youth center on the southeast side. I wanted to bring kids from all different walks and different neighborhoods and put them together and showcase that no matter where you're from, whether you're from the rich side of the east side or the lower income side of the east side, that your mental health issues 
are almost the same as mine. Our income doesn't define who, how sad we are. Mm-hmm. There could be someone who has everything and has nothing. And there could be somebody who has nothing, but they feel like that's all it is. Mm-hmm. If you're showing and bringing awareness to these kids that it's okay to fight, it's okay to, to go out. You know what? If I don't feel okay today, it, it's okay. Take that day to yourself. You being here is more important than you living on thinking that it doesn't get better and to know that you might take your life or you might create a scenario out of just not caring that can stop you from living like your next day. And I, I've seen it. These aren't just like scenarios that I thought in my head. I've, I've seen it with friends, little brothers and sisters, with friends, fathers that felt that they couldn't do it anymore. And they're no longer here. I had a friend close of mine that I would see at shows one day posted a song and that was it. He's no longer here with us. He's gone. He committed suicide, had a beautiful little boy, had a lot going for him, but it wasn't enough. And he's no longer here with us. And that's really, that's, that's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. Um, I looked at the National Alliance on Mental Health and I was looking at this article from 2020 that they had like um, mental health by the numbers. So a couple of things you said that I wanted to bring up because you talked about high school, high school students with significant symptoms of depression are more than twice as likely to drop out compared to their peers. You know, they're more likely to use drugs. Another thing you talked about was suicide, you know, having that friend. 78% of people who die by suicide are male. And I've read in the past too, not just in this research, but I've read in the past, males will do it in a more like hurtful way. Like women will take pills, whereas a man may like die in more, I'm sorry, commit suicide. Yeah. 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 You know, like when we think about Chris Cornell, Chester Bennington, and the ways that that happened, men are more likely to do it in a more harmful way than, you know, a woman. I was trying to find the right words to say, because I'm getting kind of choked up. So Um, (laughs) I just think, you know, I, I, I've had a lot of, you know, and I bring it and it's, it's sad to know that I bring up a lot of scenarios of friends because this is my inner circle. These are people that I see on a daily basis. One of my friends said, if he's going to go, he's going to go all out. If he was ever going to do it, he's going to just drive his car 150 miles an hour and boom, instantly. Like, I don't know if that's, or maybe the pain is so, so much that sometimes the only way to think is to match it, to end it. You know, maybe they just want to just, they want it over so fast that maybe, you know, they just wanted the quickest, most powerful way to do it. And let's just get the show over with. Right. And I think that's what that kind of logic is for some people. Like, I don't, I want to know for sure thing, you know, and Mm -hmm. I know that this would be it. And that, uh, that really breaks my heart. Suicide is the second leading cause of death among people ages 10 to 34. That's when ridiculous. I hit 10, 10, like, this is why we need to talk about this more. That's you know, this is why we need yeah. to talk about mental health a lot more in men, especially, I feel. I really feel like it's something that needs to be brought out. And um, I wasn't really going to talk about it, but I feel like we're on the topic. Yeah. So somebody I love a male very close to me tried to commit suicide. And I think that was like the scariest experience I had because I had to see them, 
Uh And I had to get them help. So for me, it was just like, it's, it's real, it's painful. It's painful. So AJ, my condolences to you for all those losses you've, you know, encountered because of suicide. And when I said, well, why, why, like, why do you feel like you couldn't, you know, it's, I just wanted the pain to go away. I mean, I mean, as horrible as it sounds, I mean, I think that's why anyone does it. There are days to me where the pain is is beyond bearable. Like, and I think people that suffer with mental health, something as simple as not telling yourself congratulations for just being here every day or being proud of yourself for being here every day. It doesn't make the individual that is no longer here any weaker. You know, our hearts go out to them and and, and it, it hurts regardless if you know them or not, because you know that pain. Every day that I'm here, I always tend to thank whoever around me. Like, you know, I, I send messages to friends. Hey, you know what, man? Thank you. Thank you for, for listening to me. Thank you for, you know, just, just keep showing love. And there are times where the, I, I know that. I know that feeling oh too well, mm-hmm. where the pain just gets so overwhelming. It does. And it's not a, it's, it's this pain and, and it sits in the core of your heart. And it triggers the inner peace. Like this under, it's like this thing in my mind that tells me I, I can't do it. But with the pain, the pain is, it's like in a core in your heart. There's no medicine that can make it feel better. You know, drinking, I've, I tried it. I tried to drink it all away. And you know what? It may go away f- for a couple hours. Next day, it's still there. Mm-hmm. It's still there. The pain is something else. It's, man, it's just, it's just like an inner demon. That's the only thing I've always compared it to. Yeah. It's this like monster inside of me that that it, it's almost almost possesses me. And it possesses me to tell me that I can't do it, but it's, we just always have to fight. We always have to fight and try to find beauty in life because despite everything we see, like life is beautiful. Life is precious. There's so much you can do. I'm the prime example when I always say you can do anything you want to do. I never thought in a million years I'd be in a, this little tiny platform that I've built for myself. All the hard work that I've done like you can, and, and, and it's showing results. I have my downs where you think business is not going good. We just got to find to know that tomorrow, that, that we always have a tomorrow, that tomorrow is always like this little restart that we have. And, you know, I, I've encountered a lot of horrible things in my life where I didn't want to live. I've been a victim of, you know, physical abuse. I've been a victim of alcohol abuse. I've been a victim of self abuse you know and and you know when i when i would go through these things i always thought that life had a different outcome there's a, there's this thing i'm going to use and i know a lot of people are going to be like bro really you had to pull that like so it's really for all the nerds out there that are going to listen to this little i'm going to try to make it real real quick just be really fast there's this anime that i like a lot at the moment like obsessed with and it's called demon slayer it's like a different scenario, but there's these, you know, demons in this show that these certain people try to kill. But it's the funny thing about it is every demon has a little backstory to it. And these demons were once humans. And there's a certain scenario that caused them to turn to demons. And a lot of the scenarios were just like, I felt that I felt it so hard. Some of these characters in the story were literally born to lose. 
to be brought into this world and to know that life just did you didn't draw the right hand that that's it you're cursed it's done like and that is what I, I think that is what attracted me as like an older man with mental health was even though these, these things are fictional characters their stories are so impactful and scenarios that I can see that what would how much pain does one individual have to go to to become this evil thing mm -hmm. and you know and that's what potentially is too if it's not you know, we, we see it as it's suicide. But the other part of it is there are young men out here literally taking other people's lives. And that's a whole nother mental health abuse in its own. Mm -hmm. If 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 these these men are not killing themselves, they're becoming physically evil people, that they're harming other people, that they're, you know, doing all this bad because their life was so bad. Yeah. And, you know, they may have never gotten that, that help either. You know, it's, it's not always suicide. Suicide is still a huge thing. But I think mental health can lead into a lot of bad roads, too. How we bring up the drug addiction, you know, people that we don't know, like the criminals that are incarcerated at the moment. But, you know, a lot of them come from horrible upbringings mm -hmm. to know that this was their only way out. And, you know, now they're here in this now it's not just a, a, a mental prison. They're in a mental and physical prison now. Mm -hmm. They're in this box and they are limited to what they can do all because of their actions. And that goes a lot of it too. A lot of them were acting out because of their mental health. They were harming others because others were harming them. How we always hear that metaphor, like all the bully, but we don't know his personal life at home and how destructive it could be over there as well. So, you know, I just always try to bring it like that. Like sometimes it's just, we don't know. Like, it, I just think it always starts as we grow up. I, I hope to one day bring awareness to, to the young men out there that like, man, we can change this. You know, that they gang life and all these other ways to go horrible. We don't have to do that. We can be men and it's okay to feel a certain way and, and we can work on that like i think that's the one thing that not everyone does um it's like we can work on it it doesn't have to happen today you know can we first of all can we find what's wrong let's first let's find the core of the problem and let's release it and then you know what from there we start building from there we can continue an everyday process we can continue something to make you feel better because when you feel better, then you act out better and you're, you feel better to other people. And I feel like that's where it needs to start. We need to start training, you know, us as men. Yes. Speak on it. Any man that's listening. If you're a, a father, I know that pain. I know what it's like to want to bring happiness to your children and, and want to be the superhero. We, we, it's okay to take breaks. Right. If you have a son, if you are an older man and you have a son, you know, little life lessons would mean a lot. Like when your son first falls off his bike, you go and you check on him. Is he okay? It doesn't have to stop there. You know, your son got into his first fight. Are you okay? You know, what happened? Don't just start yelling and, oh, no, your son got suspended. All right, it's okay to be upset. What happened? Your son experiences his first heartbreak. Be there for your son. 
share scenarios with your son. Like I, you know, mijo, like I, I, let me tell you this story just to, just to let them know. I think with mental health, the greatest thing you can feel is to know that someone else feels what you're feeling. So you don't feel like you're alone. That is mental health, the sense of feeling alone, to know that everything around you doesn't make sense. But when somebody, even if it's the right sentence, the right word, you feel like, you know what? I'm not crazy. That person feels it. That person feels it too. Man, maybe maybe there's more of us out here that feel this way. Yep. And yep. we can build from there. And we can surround ourselves with people in, in that environment. Like, you know, yeah, man, like I would have never thought you were like that. It was because I hide it. When in reality, we, we don't need to hide it. We need to speak to each other as men and just keep on letting us know, like, man, I got you. I don't have to know you to want to save you. I can, I you know, like I said, that feeling of being alone, if there's someone on the street and I see that they're not doing okay, hey, you good? It doesn't hurt to take that, say, hey, you, you, you're good, man. You, you need something. You know, I, I don't know what you're going through. I may not even know you. But if that person can see an individual stranger come and stop whatever it is from their everyday life to check on somebody, we're already fighting the stigma of mental health. We're already fighting that stigma of being alone. Yep. That's why I, I agree. Yeah, we, we need to, to love each other. It starts with that. Mm-hmm. It starts with loving each other and being there for one another. And especially as men, like, you know, we, you know, especially, I hate to always bring up Latin homes. That's just what I know. Like, machismo, that's, that shit is not always cool, man. That pride can kill you. That, mm-hmm. No, I don't need nobody. No, I'm a, I'm a man. I got, no, bro, you're going to self-collapse. Speak about it. Um, when I had split with the mother of my kids, you know, it was a really hard time for me. And they encouraged me. One of my family members was like, well, your cousin, I'm, I'm not putting his business out there, but he joined a lot of like father groups, like single father groups on Facebook. And I was seeing these stories and there was this group had like 16,000 members and I joined it and I was seeing these stories and that these men Something as simple as like, oh, it's my daughter's birthday. Can we give her like a happy birthday in the comments? Uh-huh. Oh, happy birthday to your princess. Happy birthday to this. Oh, good job, man. Oh, I took my son to his first fishing trip. And then I'd get the other ones. You know, does anyone know like a, a, a lawyer? My, you know, my, my, my wife is trying to keep my kids from me. My, my wife doesn't want me to see her kids. Why? Because the new boyfriend doesn't want him in the pictures. So she'll be the, the shitty person and not let the father that's trying to be active in, in his child's life, not in the picture, just to please some asshole that she, you know, and, and, even, and in, even in that AJ, like when that, when situations like that occur, and then you're already dealing with like issues with mental health, that only intensifies it because now you're taking a very close relationship to someone, you know, like, and you're, and you're using it in a way that's harmful to the person yeah. and that that i can't imagine what that does for somebody who's depressed <laughs> and I, i've i've seen i've seen that so much man. and i love talking about it because i've seen so many harsh scenarios where it's like this man is physically trying to be in his child's life and the woman would want to hurt him because maybe she has this resentment towards him maybe this man had caused her a bunch of pain you know need be or whatever the situation is, but women will be spiteful and in that way. They're like, no, I know exactly how to hurt him. I know exactly how to get him right where it hurts. You ain't going to see your kid no more. You ain't going to do this. You ain't going to do that. And to me, that's, that's so unfair. 
-hmm. women that are physically hurting their men because they're upset. You know, I, I, I was a victim of that as well. I was raised 90% women. My mother is my biggest hero and she raised me. I have three older sisters and I'm raising two little girls, you know, and I used to see how my sisters used to get their heart broken and they used to always be like, mijo, please don't be like this. Don't be like these guys, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, I, I would see this and I, but I would have friends that like aren't allowed to see their kids because their baby mama just knows how, how like, that's how I'm going to get them. You know, and it, I find that completely unfair. Like, there's no need for that. Whatever the situation is, if this man is trying to be in his child's life, he should be granted that, hands down. If he's responsible and taking full initiative of the life that he brought into this world and wanting to give them a better upbringing, you should let that happen. Right. I I couldn't agree more. I could not agree more because there are some men who don't want to do have anything to do with their child. So when you have a man who wants to be a part of it, that's his child too. And it should happen, you know, and that's a whole different topic. Oh yeah. Sorry. <laughs> that, Sorry. But no, no, you're fine. But I get it because that does affect someone's mental health. It really Absolutely. does. Um, I can't imagine the anxiety around that, the depression around that. Like it's, it's something that I really feel like women have to like really step out of that you know, and let, if a dad is trying to be a dad and he's a solid guy and he's a solid guy to his kids, just let him be. Yeah. Just let him be. Because, you know, there's a lot of kids who don't have dads who want dads, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, oh, I don't want to cry. (laughs) I feel it. (laughs) Because I was very lucky to have a really good dad and my dad in my life so it makes me really sad when I hear people you know say like they can't be in their kids lives or you know when kids say my dad isn't around that makes me really sad so (sighs) I don't want (laughs) I'm gonna I'm gonna switch gears a little bit I wanted to go back to something you said though AJ but and kind of about the criminal justice system and you know when we look at that about 2 million times each year, people with serious mental illnesses are booked into jails. Um, and this, again, this is from NAMI. Uh, as estimated, 4,000 people with serious mental illnesses are held in solitary confinement inside of a U.S. prison. Yeah, I so, makes and, and there's so much lack of care. Three in five people, which is 63%, of people with a history of mental illness do not receive mental health treatment while incarcerated in state and federal prisons. So imagine you're going to jail and it's not that you, because of your mental state, you committed a crime, right? Then in jail, you're not getting any treatment. And then you get put in solitary confinement. That's, that's a disaster. That's a disaster, you know, and suicide is the leading cause of death for people held in, in local jails. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so common. It's, I mean, it just goes to tell you that, I mean, everything, everything I said earlier, it's, this is everyday life, you know, in the city of Chicago, you can only imagine how many people are incarcerated at the moment. You know, we hear things all the time about it. Nothing ever makes it justice. There's a lot of unfairness in this world and it'll always be there, but you know, you'd be surprised how far mental health can really push a man to do a lot of bad things. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, not, not suicide is, is, you know, it's, it's already horrible that that's in existence, 
but to the point where you become so numb and so unaware of just even like what can happen that you've already given up you've already given up on, on life and that you've pushed yourself to a limit that there's a point of no return and a lot of these men you know i've seen stories where they come out rehabilitated they come out and understand the wrongs of their thing and their mental health you know i had friends that run like church groups you know i'm not a big religious person i hope that doesn't offend anybody but you know even if that's their peace they find rehabilitation through through god or through friendship or just being there for them sending notes you know maybe a lot of these men regret the decisions that they made you know a lot of them don't but a lot of it of the reason they're there is i would say I'll give or take the benefit of the doubt. 70% of the men that are incarcerated, mental health played a huge part in why they're there. You know, the stigma of no one cares. The stigma of no one cares about me, so why should I care? Trauma. Trauma's a big one. Like, uh, I did a training and we talked about warfare trauma. We talked about, like, community trauma. So. So in this training, we talked about how a kid could be walking outside and be triggered by hearing a door handle shake because of an experience they may have had. Because what what happens if you what happens if you're outside and you get bit by a dog? Every time you pass by that same area, what are you going to do? You're going to look for a dog, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So imagine being being in in a community in which you're afraid because your friend got shot here or, you know, someone got arrested on this corner and, you know, they're selling drugs here. And last time they kind of like tried to get at you, that's trauma. And what happens is in communities that trauma is passed along, just like in the Hispanic culture, we have that generational trauma. Don't talk about it. You're less of a man. If you don't, you know, you don't talk about it. You can't be like that. You have to be a macho man, you know, things like that. And, and that's the thing we pass that along. We keep on going, keep on going, keep on going. So what do we do? What do we do to say enough is enough? We do things like this. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> and bringing the way and, and and even sometimes people that host events people are afraid to go to them mm-hmm. well, you know i gave, gave uh tommy tally a, a lot of respect for for what he's done with with trying he's he's probably the biggest person trying to create a giant men's mental health awareness group on the southeast side mm-hmm. you know and i'm lucky enough to have him as a friend you know i may not be able to go to all his events due to like how busy i am and we're all busy people but you know seeing someone like him you know, being out there and wanting to to create um, an environment for men to come to and wanting to express who they are, there's that's where it starts. Mm-hmm. We, I think everyone needs to do that. You know how some fa- like how you said it earlier. Some kids don't have their fathers in their lives. Young men are are being raised by not good fathers as well. Trauma, physical mm-hmm. abuse, sexual mm-hmm. abuse, even if it's men, little boys, sexual abuse, being beaten being not showed enough affection, being, oh, like, not being comforted. These young men need to be comforted. You need to show them love. You need to tell them, you know, and it, that's exactly where it starts, at home. At home, they're, mm-hmm. they're there more than anything. Yep. And there are times where children don't want to be home. And that that's supposed to be, like, your safety area. That's supposed to be the number one place where you feel safe. Mm-hmm. And it's happened more than we can count where they don't want to be there. So where's the first place they go? It's to the streets. And they meet people. Maybe it's the bad people. 
You know, it's not always like that. I spent years on the Southeast side streets. I know these streets like the back of my hand. I was lucky enough to have a group of friends that were skateboarding, playing music. And that's just where I, you know, yeah, I, I met some bad friends out of that. But, you know, never super severe to where, like, my life was threatened. Yeah, it may have been when, you know, when I was abusing drugs, but I took that into my own hands and I made those decisions. You know, in the streets, when you meet the right crowd, some of these young men are forced into scenarios. They're mm-hmm. forced into scenarios that they don't want to be a part of, but they can't back out on. Hey, we're going to go cruise and we're going to, you know, probably see somebody and I want you to shoot at them. What do you mean? And at that point, you're either going to, what, what, are you a bitch? You know, are you a little bitch or something like that? Or, well, you're here, it's you or him. Like, it's it's street problems. Right. You know, and it's it's terrible. And now they're already in, in that position. Then they can't get out of it. Right. When, if they were in a better home environment or with a better friend circle, they probably won't be there. Mm-hmm. And at that moment, that could possibly potentially ruin that whole man's future. Kids that are incarcerated at 10, 11 years old for killing people mm-hmm. because they didn't want to be home and they found what they thought was sanctuary in the streets until they, they were put in a position like that. Or even thinking and, about it in the way like they had to do it because maybe they, you know, maybe they had mm-hmm. to go sell drugs at 10 years old because that was their source of income because their yeah. family didn't have. There's mm-hmm. so many layers yeah. to it, you know. There's way too many. There's way too many. And this is, you know, not. Just like, you know, it, it's it's so sad that it's unfortunate that it happens to be in like brown and black households. But, mm-hmm. you know, them situations have no color. There are countless of races and individuals that are put in that position, you know. And you know, that's one thing I'm very much about, too. You know, we should never compare what ethnicity deals with the most mental health. We're all men and we're all fighting the same thing. And we we all need to be there for each mm-hmm. other. You know, I, I'm a firm believer that, that black and brown men need to need to be aware that we can be weak, you know, you know, and it comes from, you know, a lot of it's people I trusted. That's what made me very scared at first. I trusted a lot of people as a kid and they would use my mental health against me. They knew what my weaknesses were. And when it was time for them to turn on me, that's what they triggered, you know, and I, I hated that. And it made me very enclosed in my, in my situation and would not want to be around anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, even now I'm, I'm at a point in my life where I have backed away from a lot of my close friend group, not because, you know, I'm upset at them. And I've made it very clear to a lot of them. Some understand it, some don't, but I'm, I'm at the point where it, it's very much about me right now. I'm my daughters and my businesses, you know, I need to put my full effort into that because like the one example I always use all the time, friends, it's good to have them, but friends come and go. Even family, you know, we're family, we're blood. It's not always a situation that sometimes they come and go to. But the one thing I do know for a certain is that no one loves me like my kids do. Nobody, nobody on this earth will ever love me the way that my children do. And it's at the point now where I've dedicated my life to them because they're never going to hurt me. Yeah, they may experience things and we're kids, you know, I'm raising two girls and especially in society that we live in now, it may not always be the best situation. But as a father, first of all, learning to have patience with myself 
is what's going to make me be the better person to have patience with them. You know, I can raise them to be the best person I think possible, but I don't know what it's like to be a woman. And I can never put myself in that position. I can only raise them to be the best human beings the way my mother raised me, you know, and their mother, me and her have a really good co-parenting relationship and they're, they're lucky to have their mother in their lives. You know, even though me and her couldn't, you know, we reached our toll, you know, but they still have their mother, you know, and I hope that, you know, she can take over that other part of raising them that I can't do. You know, I, something as silly as, you know, I've gone and bought pads for my sisters, like when they were on certain things and just being the man, like, it's okay, you know, to, to do certain things, but I can't talk to them about those subjects. You know, I can only, that's to me, that's a woman and daughter thing. But one thing that, you know, I always encourage my friends that have sons is talk with them. You need to be that the main figure in this child's life. Tell them about trauma. Tell them about mental health. Tell them, mm-hmm. you know, mijo, you know, you may feel a certain way, but tu puedes hablar conmigo. Like you can talk to me. Like you can let me know when you're upset. And I may not understand it. You, you may not always understand the situation. And that's okay too. But just being there to listen, you'd be surprised how far they can go. Or what this little person can even teach you about yourself mm-hmm. that you probably didn't catch on to because no one talked to you about it. Dad, I'm going through this. And not only that, I, it's just like on like the tip of my tongue, it needs to come out. It teaches them coping skills, right? Yeah. And that's essential in life. And by you meeting them where they are and being gentle with them, you are now teaching your child, you know, what you weren't taught, which breaks yeah. that generational trauma, which, which starts to separate that. If I can be more gentle with my child, you know, like my mom, she yelled at me like a banshee, <laughs> like, you know, very verbally aggressive and just, so I really do. I try to meet my child with understanding and, oh, I get mad. Yeah. But it's yeah. up to me as the adult to regulate that. Yeah. I know how to handle my emotions and he doesn't, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So yeah. if I'm able just by doing that, it doesn't seem like a big deal, right? Oh, I just talked to my kid nicer. Like I wasn't talked to. But just by doing that, I'm breaking that cycle that continues. And he, you know, as far as mental health goes, he may be better off than I. He's not going to sit on the podcast. I mean, he might. (laughs) And then there there are other things, too. Uh, One thing I've always, you know, I have stepdaughters as well. With the mother of my kids, I, uh, you know, she had children before me. And and I was lucky enough to raise them as well. And there are other topics as as the, the newer times are coming. And I think with fathers, even with uh, with young boys is, you know, a lot of my friends before, had, I always bring this topic up as well, because it doesn't matter. It's still mental health in its own. Uh, friends of mine that were coming out uh, that are part of the LGBTQ community, like, you know, like, mm-hmm. in Maine, and especially, you know, like, Latinos too, you know, it sucks. Like, well, my son's what? He likes boys? Like, man, you, it's a, it's, it's a new time, man. And I think by you just being there for them, and you might not understand it. No one's telling you you have to understand their life choices. They feel what they feel. And you just because you don't doesn't make them wrong. You, they still need their father. They still need that father figure. You know, they're going through what you think of, of what they told you. Imagine what they're thinking of dealing with it. Mm-hmm. You know, that coming out in a society 
that like you know i don't like girls i like boys like am i wrong for that imagine what's that what you know because we are so like men and, and women like this imagine what they're going through as young men too with with that you know yeah. scaredness that trauma what is my dad gonna think yep you know i just That's think stigma right yeah and i just think no matter what your son's choices are like you got to be there for your son you got to be there for your son dad you know i'm i'm like you know this is girl you know and she hurt me all right I mean, I, let me tell you or you know dad i i, I wanted to, i didn't want to tell you this but i think i'm you know i think i like men i just think that whole stigma that that dad and it's a whole uh, i've had friends that are you know in the community and they were verbally destroyed and almost disowned because of how they felt and that's another you know even though it's still young men dealing with trauma we need to just be there for them we need to be there and support them yeah and then you think about what mental mental distress that that causes to feel like you don't belong you know what I mean? Like that, that also really affects the mental health. And, you know, something you said earlier, AJ, like you're not alone. You're not alone. And I say that all the time, like yeah. you're not alone because you're really not. You're not. There are other people who feel like you. There are other people who you can relate to. You just have to find those communities. And that's why, like for for this podcast, I really want that to be. You know, I want to show like it's just it's people who run businesses who feel this way. It's, you know, your regular person who sits at the coffee shop that you might run into. It's (laughs) professionals. It's everybody like, you know what I mean? No one is. Is how what I'm trying to figure out the word in my head, but I'm going to use what you're not just like safe from mental illness just because you're a doctor, just because you're a therapist, just because you're, you know, a pharmacist or you Mm -hmm. make coffee, no one, it's anybody can have issues with their mental health. Some of the best people in the world. I mean, like some of the richest people in the world. Actresses, right, right. Millionaires that, you know, where some people deal with mental health because they don't have it all. And -hmm. some people have it all and are completely miserable, you know, and especially, one thing I've always tried to do too, um, a lot of where my mental health advanced and I reached a whole new level of mental health was my almost 10 years in culinary. The physical and mental abuse culinary can bring. Like people aren't fully aware. People see Hell's Kitchen and think that's what it is. It's it's not always that. It's the long hours. It's the cooks that can't go home and see their families on the weekends because they work like 10, 11 hours on a Friday, Saturday shift and can't go home to their kids. And your body's physically pushed to a point where, you know, substance abuse is, is substance abuse and culinary is unbelievable. The things that I've seen from cocaine use to alcohol abuse, to caffeine, say the list goes on. And wow. just, just, just the, the, on top of that, there are people dealing with mental issues, me being one of them. And like just already, deal- I've had lost a job. I had lost a job because of my mental health. And that staff, after that, literally just shunned me and openly abused verbally, making fun of me because they always said, oh, don't worry, it's okay to not be okay, right? Literally 
abused me because I left because of my mental health. And that that's prob that is a fucking problem. Okay. Absolutely. That's a problem. That's a problem. Like that is not that is not okay. Um, because then, then when, when something happens, God forbid something happens to someone who gets told this at a job, how do you not feel like you're responsible? It's because it's the stigma and the kitchen is pretty much, I always said the kitchen is the closest thing to hell. Everything's hot. Everything's sharp and tensions are always high. In the culinary world, the kitchen is like a wolf pit there. It is, it's lately has due to a lot of um, where it started, unfortunately, was the death of Anthony Bourdain mm. that took the culinary world and brought awareness. And, and every, you know, we look at him like this, this martyr, this catalyst, this person that it took his death to be like, whoa, okay, like now we're at a situation here. You know, mm-hmm. him killing himself struck a lot of, hard in the culinary world that okay we need to start doing stuff about this but before culinary was essentially the person that was the weakest it was like a fucking wolf pit you would tear that shit to person as hard as you can because they couldn't last in that kitchen and it was horrible i've seen it i've seen it more times than i've ever could imagine and it and and it had no it was women and, and men too that they would tear the shit verbally, verbally. And when I lost that job, because I was going through a hard time, I had text messages from them like, oh, we're not cut from the same cloth. You ain't shit, dude. Like, oh, you should go kill yourself, man. I had all those messages. And it's an establishment. I I, I won't be rude and, and this, explain it. But not far from here, not far from the Southeast side that they would message me like, oh, don't forget, it's okay not to be okay, right? Like, literally, because I left, because I couldn't do it. And it was, and that let me know, you know? So when I started the catering company, you know, I I dedicate myself to a lot of that. One of the things I, you know, whoever listens to this podcast, and I've told a couple of people, um, one of the biggest highlights that I'm aiming for this year is I've been networking with Hope for the Day. Hope for the Day is one an organization that I've always admired, especially for their involvement with the with the, the music scene and just all around with their with the it's okay to not be okay was always something that you know I looked at and always something that I did it. So as I released the company, I've never really took the time to dedicate my whole to September being Suicide Awareness Month. Um, I've been talking to Hope for the Day. I will be releasing the last clothing line drop for the year will be in September. And it'll be a whole suicide awareness kind of thing around it. And all the proceeds that I go to or that I make will all be going to Hope for the Day because I just wanted to, to give back to them because they've been to a lot of concerts that I've been to. They've been to a lot of places that I've been to. And just even if I've seen where no one's at their tent, you know, picking up flyers, they always have suicide prevention flyers. They always have little wristbands or just something that they can give out. And they want you to take, 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 take. Like if you know someone that, that, that needs this or that, 
just give it to them, give it to them, give them. They're always like that. Their staff is always, even if it's people that are, their Chicago place. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're always doing that. And luckily enough, a couple of years ago, they opened a place in the North side called Sip of Hope. It's Hope for the Day's coffee shop. Yes, I've and heard of that. I've been, I've been talking with them about doing an event there for my catering and releasing all of my stuff there. And literally the moment the event's over, I wanted to give all the proceeds that I made. Like, I don't know how much it makes. I don't even know where, where this fund is going. But just the idea that, like, I can dedicate this whole month and give back to to some type of suicidal prevention and just play my part in in this stigma. Like, you know, they always come out with these funny videos in September. Like, oh, fuck you, stigma. Like, and it, it was like a whole thing. It was funny, but it was just like, hey, stigma. Fuck you, man. And it's like all these different people <laughs> from all walks of life. Like, hey, stigma. Fuck you. Like, and it's different people, men, women, older people. Like, and they're making funny videos like, hey, stigma, you know, you don't own me, man. Fuck you. And it's just like all these little things that, you know, that hope for the day put together to like always remind like, hey, stigma, fuck you. Like, you know, like, and I always respected them. I always watched it. I always post stuff about that, you know, just because I'm I'm in, I'm, I'm here, you know, I, and I need, I give myself a lot of credit for the simple fact that I'm here every day. I'm still here every day living I'm still every day yeah some days are harder than others there wasn't a not even a week ago I was on my bed having the craziest anxiety attacks in my life same thing over and over but I believe in my heart it, it's not always going to be like that you know we have to fight for those that, that can't fight you know there are people that need to be here right now that I'm fighting for a little bit every every day I do something right like I do it and, and, and like in honor of them basically okay well aj i'm happy you're here and i'm thank glad you. you're here and thank, thank you. you for being here thank because you. you know it's this this is really really important for us to talk about one last thing i kind of want to touch on is treatment um i know earlier in the episode we talked a little bit about what you do what makes you feel better you did kind of mention before you were on Zoloft and things like that. Currently, what do you do for treatment? So this can go really south really quick on this answer. Um, I've reached, and this is this is where it lets me know too that the fight is real. Um, there have been countless times I've signed up for therapy. I would get it, but the next appointment's in a month and a half. A month and a half? Oh, because oh, you're, oh, my, so my insurance, you know, we, it's crazy that we live in a society where you may not have the best insurance, but because of that, oh, so I have to wait a month and a half to get help. And it's a 30 minute call. And then I'll see you in another month and a half, two months. Like that literally blew my mind because I'm alive and, and I, I can manage it. Right. What about to the people that they can't, to the men that they can't, mm-hmm. they have to wait a month and a half. They could be on the verge of suicide. So they have to wait a month and a half to see help. Other than that. So at that point, I've, I've realized we got to find outlets, mm-hmm. find something in that time that can make you happy. Reach out to people. I have called the suicide prevention line a lot of times I have. And you know, just the way these people talk to me sometimes, it's just heartwarming to know that. 
if I can give any advice on treatment, if you are seeing your therapist on a regular basis, do not stop seeing your therapist. Seeing your therapist is one of the most important things. And it's, it's truly, a, like, I hate to say this, but it's a luxury to have one. Oh, no, not, no. I'm glad you said that because it is. I've heard because of the pandemic, I've heard so many people. I'm on a wait list. I'm on a wait list. I'm on a wait list. You know, and exactly. You hit the nail on the head. Insurance. Insurance fucking sucks when it comes to trying to get therapy, because there are some insurances that'll cover your treatment multiple times a week. And there's some insurances like yours that say, well, you have to wait a month and a half before you get an appointment because we're not going to cover that. And Aaron talked about it in last week's episode about how with eating disorders to try to get in a recovery center, your insurance may not cover it. So it's really important to look into insurance, but what happens when you have to go with like the state recommended insurance because of income, like it just, it blows my mind. But what you said too was important, AJ, you've used yeah. the suicide hotline number. Yeah, you know? yeah, I've used them so many times and it's, it doesn't make you eat. And, and, you know, if you see me, people tell me all the time, you don't look like you're sad. And then that's the, that's the thing. Because I, I know that I need, admitting you need help is the most important step in mental health mm-hmm. and knowing that you're not okay. And that that's fine mm-hmm. to know that the sky's a little great today, it's it's gonna get better, my guy. It's gonna get better. I promise you that every step of the way, you know, it's going to get better. I've made it very clear sometimes on my, on my social media that if anyone needs anyone to talk to, I, I've had people after those posts tell me that and talk to me about it. That people that I just have on Facebook that I've never met that have messaged me like this, this, and that. And I'm always there because I know what it's like to not have anyone to talk to. I know what it's like to be alone in your own mental prison and they're screaming out for help and there's no one there. You know, a, a lot of, as, as we go on as, as older, like younger adults, you know, we, we go out and we drink and we have fun. And it seems like those are the times that your friends are the most present is when we're out and we're having a good time. We're drinking. Oh yeah. What's up? Let's buy another round. Let's have a good time. But when you're not okay, it's like, we're not a single person's there. So we need to create scenarios where we surround ourselves with people that are, are there. Mm-hmm. I'm lucky enough to have certain friends in my life. And there isn't a day that doesn't go by that I thank them for being there, for listening to me. Rather, if it's girl problems, South Ave problems, kid problems, work problems. I'm lucky enough to have certain group, certain people in my life that are always a call away. And it's vice versa. The moment they need me, I could be busy. If I know it's urgent... I don't care what I'm doing. I've literally stepped out of a service. One of my best friends was suicidal and she wasn't feeling good. I left service like, yo, I'm always here. Work my ass off as a cook. I have to go. I have to go. We need to keep sharing that type of affection for each other and letting each other know that, you know, with the insurance, like with the insurance, it's unfortunate. Lower income areas, you might not get the best insurance, Mm -hmm. but we got to find there's so much out there. Um, a friend showed me, you know, shout out to Coffee Hip Hop and Mental Health is, is is a coffee shop in the north side as well that almost gives grants to people. They, they specialize in giving grants to people that are from lower incomes that need mental health. There might be a waiting list, but, you know, it's because so many people are, are, are seeing that the fight that they're creating with it, that they're giving people opportunities to get 
a full paid couple months sessions of therapy. And, you know, we, we got it. We got to continue fighting. Whatever it is that is your outlet, follow it. If you have therapy, go to your therapy sessions. If you are on the verge of harming yourself, the suicide prevention hotline is always there. And I'm speaking from someone that's used it. I've used I it have as well. a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what? And they've been perfect. They call and they check on you. They give you resources. There are ways, people. There are ways to get mental health. Men out there like, bro, we got to open up. We got, we can't be afraid of showing our emotions anymore because it's going to blow. It's going to blow one day. You're going to self-implode. And I've been there too. Everything that I've talked about on, on this episode is things that I still go on, on a daily basis. I am just blessed enough to know where I'm going. And not everyone has that. And that doesn't make anyone a less or weaker person. Maybe they just weren't show. Maybe I hit a low so bad that I knew that the only way was up that I, I, I had to keep pushing. But, you know, South Ave Clothing, South Ave Catering, anyone listening to this, you know, I run those social medias very much. My personal uh, Facebook is AJ Garcia. You know, if you've felt some type of way of this episode, I, my, my inboxes are always open to men that need advice, men that, that need just a, hey, man, you know, I felt your scenario or just someone that like, you may not know me. You know, I, I heard your podcast and I'm, I'm always open to talk. My business is 150 mental health support all the way. You can be transgender. You can be any type of anything that you identify as men, women, whatever it may be. My inboxes are always open and I can always shine light, even if it's a you can do this or just sit there and talk about something to get your mind off of something. My, my social medias are always open for support. Thank you for that, AJ. It's much appreciated. And I think that's like really important is that we're there for each other. And I know I'm exactly the same way because I know the struggle. I know how it feels. And um, just for the, the national suicide prevention lifeline is 800-273- 8255. If you're in any immediate danger, please call 911. Um, but this line is not just if you're suicidal, it's if you're in a crisis. AJ has used it. I have used it because I felt like I was in a crisis and I needed somebody to talk to and I didn't want to feel like a burden to friends or family. So I called and I'm, I can go on the same sentiment. AJ, really helpful people, really caring, really wanted to hear me. After getting off that call, I was like, I feel better because I felt heard. You know, that's what they're there for. So again, that number is 800-273-8255. And on that note, AJ, I'm glad you're here. Thank you for coming on today. Thank you for having me. No, you're welcome. Thank you for being open and, you know, putting all this out there to show people like you're not alone. You're really not. (laughs) Absolutely. You're never alone. It's no, it starts with us. It starts with love. And that's something I've always been. 150% about, and that'll never change. Yeah. So again, reach out to AJ. You know, you can always reach out to me at Mind If We Chat on Facebook, Instagram. AJ, it was a pleasure. And everybody listening, we'll see you next week's episode with another special guest. I will not tell you his name, (laughs) but it will be another male. And we're talking about these important conversations for Mental Health Awareness Month in May. All right, guys, thanks for listening. And I'll see you in the next one. Bye. 
I am not a mental health professional. I am an individual who is passionate about mental health and topics related to mental health. Research has been done on these topics and I'm sharing my own personal experience. All conversation and information exchange are intended for informational and entertainment purposes only. Any information shared should not be used as medical advice or to self-diagnose. If you believe you are experiencing an emergency, please talk to your primary physician or call 911.